630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite team. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Good to have you tuning in tonight. It is the Maple Leafs leading the Rangers 3-2 with about five minutes left in the second period. Ryan Reeves, his second of the season, the only goal in the second period. In the third, the Coyotes, despite being badly outshot, 31-14, leading the Devils 3-1 with 11 and a half minutes to go in that game. Lawson Krause, one of the goal scorers, his 10th of the season. Dyson Mayo has scored his third of the year, former member of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Oh, and they just scored again. Uh, Coyotes just scored again. So 4-1, Coyotes leading the Devils, 11-33 to go. And the Avalanche and the Ducks will face off at 8 o'clock. The Edmonton Oilers tomorrow hosting the Florida Panthers as now we kind of get back into actual regular hockey. We got a game Tomorrow, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, next week, on and on we go. The games have been rescheduled that were postponed. So eight games in the Olympic break for the Oilers. They're going to play eight games in 13 days between the 8th and the 20th of February. And then the ninth game that needed to be rescheduled at Calgary will be on March 7th. You can go to 630Ched.com or to the Oilers website to uh, find out more about exactly where the games are going to be. We're going to get rolling. Uh, Yeah. Miko Koskinen in goal tomorrow. Brendan Perlini did not practice today, but Dave Tippett expects he uh, will be an option for tomorrow's game against the Panthers. So we'll uh, find out more about that at the morning skate. Morley Scott is on the line. My goodness, Morley. It's been a while, buddy. How are you doing? I'm good, Reed. How are you? Uh, Is it too late to say Happy New Year? Have I waited too long? Probably, eh? Well, you haven't seen me, I guess, so you might as well... Say it. What it did is we... the first time we've discussed anything in the uh, in the month of January. So happy New Year, buddy. Well, well happy New Year to you. Well, I saw you, but well, Jones was hired like December twenty second or something like that. Yeah, it was right before Christmas, and then yep. uh, we've had a couple coaching staff announcements over Zoom. So yeah, it's it's nice to have you on the show again, buddy. Uh, how are yeah. how are things? Uh, you know, you're you're always up much earlier than I am. I believe it's your bedtime soon. But uh, how are things going? Uh, things are going well, you know. We're uh, I am uh, tomorrow, uh, and I've been keeping track since uh, since I I came back home to work. Tomorrow will be my 392nd day delivering sports on 6:30 Ched mornings from the home office. So uh, it's it's been uh, it's been a long time. I built quite a routine. I don't get dressed very often, um, you know. I mean, in nice clothes. I am Morley's wearing, nude. Everybody, picture Morley a, nude in the morning uh, doing the sports. I am uh, usually wearing sweatpants and a t-shirt. And, oh, okay. and uh, I love the commute, and I love uh, I love the dress code. But I miss being around all uh, all my uh, all my colleagues and pals at the station. But uh, everybody, most people are at home anyway. Like you're at home still, right? So uh, most people, are yeah, still most home of the anyway. time, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's uh, yeah, it's been it's been weird, and, but uh, and I look forward to I look forward to everything getting back to normal sometime in the year twenty twenty two or twenty twenty nine or twenty thirty five, whenever <laughs> yeah, it whenever it happens, we'll be we'll be ready to roll, right? Yeah, well, hopefully we're getting there. I mean, I'm glad the NHL's uh, going ahead with these games, yeah. and hopefully for uh, you know Canadian markets, we're back I'll to full tell you buildings. What, the way it's the way it's been the last month, 
Reed, to go back to the the CFL, they just snuck it in under the deadline, didn't they? I mean, I mean, they played their Grey Cup game December twelfth, and it was about in the next week when Omicron kind of hit, and and you know pe- people started falling left and right by by testing positive. So uh, it was uh, it was good timing by the Canadian Football League. They just got it in under the wire before everything kind of went backwards uh, over the over the last uh, month or so. I want to ask you. Uh, I want. I want to flash back, and I and I apologize if you get sick about talking about this season. But it's the last time the Oilers went to the <laughs> Stanley Cup final, and uh, I think a lot of the discussion on uh, you know shows like this one at that time probably would have been what What are the Oilers missing? Because they were not a solid playoff team for most of the year, and and they kind of needed a goaltender. What What do you remember about the Rollison trade? Obviously, we know the impact, but like, were you excited? Were the players excited? Were the were the fans excited? Because I think I, he kind of overachieved given the expectations, didn't he? I, I believe he, he did overachieve as well, and I think he turned out to be a better goaltender than most people thought he was after he arrived here, and he really hadn't had an opportunity right through his, I think he, he came from Minnesota, right, and he'd spent some time in Calgary. He really hadn't got that opportunity to, you know, to really carry the mail, and um, when when he got the chance, he ran with it in Edmonton. I mean, he was he was such a key part of it all uh, down the stretch, and, and and then uh, through the, the great magical playoff run he had until game one of the Stanley Cup final um, when he got injured. But, yeah, the thing I remember most, though, Reed, is is the, he was acquired at trade deadline day. But it's everything else that happened on that day. I mean, I don't think Kevin Lowe ever gets enough credit for the day he pulled off on trade deadline day that year because of the, the other moves he made as well with, with Samsonov and, and Spacek just before that. I mean, the, the people he put into place to kind of solve all the problems the Oilers had at that point really paid off for him. I mean, they had some pretty good players on the team at, at that point because you know, Chris Pronger was, you know, I believe he was the best player on the planet at that point. Uh, when when he stepped off the ice after Game 7, I don't think there was a better hockey player uh, playing in the NHL at that point. And it's, it's sad, and we all know what happened after that, but it's sad that we never got to see that for more than one season. But, I mean, they had some pretty good place, pieces in place and uh, I believe Kevin Lowe went out and did a masterful job that trade deadline uh, in, in the weeks leading up to it and at the deadline to go out and fill the holes that they had on the roster and and then man everything just fell into place it was just it was just magical everything fell into place for the next uh, two months and it's uh it's a it's a it's a two months that i'll never forget because it was just so cool to be to be along for the ride yeah for sure well and i think some pressure is going to be on on ken holland as well here to, to fill some holes so we'll see how that plays out the one thing that is weird though it's january uh what are we up to now the the 19th but there's still only at you know 35 games played. Usually we're up around. So like I, I'm not saying there's a lot of time, but there's I, I think sometimes there's a little more time than I, I realize there is because we've had so many games postponed and the season started a little later uh, as well. So I, I'm I'm not suggesting the Oilers can can dilly dally, but it's. It's not getting well, late as early as it feels like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. I mean, for, for where we are in the season to how many games we play or where we are on the calendar to where we are in the season, it doesn't match up with what we've seen, uh, you know, traditionally. And, and I think the other thing about it, too, is is the games in hand. Like, these these have to all get kind of worked out as, as they move forward. I mean, like, well, Vancouver's played 39 games. They got four. They played four more games than the Oilers, and they're one point ahead of them. So you would think that the Oilers, just by winning a couple of their games in hand, are going are gonna to pass 
past Vancouver. San Jose's got the final playoff spot right now. The Oilers have five games in hand on them. They've played 40 games. So that's got to all even out, right? And and when that does, I think we'll get a clearer picture of where exactly the Oilers are. It doesn't look pretty now with where they are in the standings, but things can change pretty quickly if you go on a run. And, you know, uh, obviously San Jose hasn't had as many games postponed as the Oilers have, so they're going to be sitting a little bit more during that three-week stretch for the Olympic break. And uh, the Oilers are going to be able to maybe make up some ground, not just on them, but on, on other teams as well. So, yeah, there's still time. I think that's the biggest difference uh, for being January 19th uh, and, and being as far away as they are from a playoff spot. The fact To factor in the fact they still get a lot of games to play will, will be good news for them if they can get it going. But they really haven't shown any, uh, you know, showing yeah, us that they're going to be able to get it going, right? Uh, first yeah. thing they got games do is, in hand are great if you win them. <laughs> well, that's that's uh, that's I always say it. The wise old hockey man once told me they're only games in hand if you win them, right? If right. you don't win them, they're just games, right? And they don't matter. So <laughs> that's a good point. Morley Scott joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Uh, you know, the Edmonton Oaks are keeping busy. Um, we. There's obviously a lot of speculation about uh, the the president, and you know maybe we'll get that next week. We'll see what's going on there. Obviously, there there's a, a name out there that uh, is rumored, so we'll see if that happens. Uh, but is it tomorrow you're doing something with Chris Jones? What's going on here? Yeah, the Elks have put together a pretty cool thing, I think, for their season seat holders, and uh, they did a couple of these uh, last year as well, going into the new season, and they're doing them uh, at least one more this year. It's going to be tomorrow night, and if you're a season seat holder, you probably got an email about it uh, and you know obviously that's one of the perks of being a season seat holder uh, we're going to have a big zoom call and uh, i think there's going to be about 300 fans uh, on the zoom call and uh, uh chris jones is going to be there and uh, chris and i are going to have a little conversation we're going to take some uh, some questions from fans and we're just going to kind of get to know chris jones again a little bit you know i mean he's been gone for a long time and 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 dare i say reed i think he's changed a lot in the years he's left he's been uh, gone and uh, i think uh, he's he's a bit of a you know he's still intense and he's still a great football mind, but I think as as he said already, he said, "Hey, I'm I'm older now, and I'm a little more mellow than I than I used to be." So uh, we'll get to know Chris Jones a little bit moving forward uh, tomorrow night. It's a it's a cool event put together by the Elks for for their season seat holders. All right, well that'll be fun to, to do that for sure. And yeah, like Chris Jones, he's such a he's such an interesting guy to talk about because when when he was here before. There's always something going on. Remember when he faked the punt on like second and twenty-two out of their own end zone? You know, uh, like against Calgary, right? Yeah, I think it, it wasn't was one of the late games, and, and he fell yeah. just like a yard or two short of. of yeah, yeah, but late, I mean, I still thought it was nuts. And, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. He'll he'll try things like that, and he's always thinking. I love his his defensive schemes because you know he's got guys who will you know. And Odell Willis is maybe the best uh, example of this. You know, a, a traditional tight end, a guy, or sorry, a defensive end, a guy who lines up at the end of the line and tries to charge the quarterback. All of a sudden, Chris Jones comes to town, and as the ball snapped, Odell Willis is backing up and he's backpedaling, and he basically becomes a linebacker. Uh, and and maybe uh, the cornerback or one of the linebackers is now rushing the quarterback. He does so many innovative things. And the thing that I always will remember about Chris Jones is his knowledge on players. I mean, he watches 
every player he can. And you can bring up a player to him, and he'll talk about him, and he'll know a fact on this player. And whether it be, you know, a quarterback for another team, oh, I saw him in high school, I really liked him then, or uh, a running back. I remember, I can't remember the guy's name now. They brought out, they had all the running back issues in 2015. Remember when uh, uh, John White blew his Achilles out in training camp out out in Spruce Grove, and they were bringing guys in. And and I can't remember who, it was the first or second guy they brought in. And I said, what do you know about him? And he said, well, uh, three weeks ago, he ran a four four forty right and, and he's and he's giving me all these stats about him and and he's just he just knows all about every player. he knows their strengths he knows their weaknesses and 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 he knows stats about them and and has uh, an encyclopedic memory about players I mean you talked to him about a Darius Bowman at the time in 2015 and he'll start telling you stories about how he watched him play in high school and he just he just knows everybody and I think that's where his strengths is and that's where he's going to be so important to to rebuilding this franchise because he's so good at finding good players, finding talented players, and not just good players, but players that fit his system as well. And we've seen that over the years, in the two years he was here with, with guys like, you know, Willie Jefferson and Dexter McCoyle that, that he teamed with Ed Hervey to bring in. And just, just guys who are, are, are good athletes, are good football players, but they are the right size and have the right athletic abilities to play Chris Jones' style. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it should be interesting, uh, and we'll see still what they do. It, but what? So, what's the story with Arbuckle? They 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 restructured. Well, yeah. Okay. His so contract. He, he right. came here, uh, and his contract was expiring, and Brock Sunderland signed him to a contract. But uh, there was a very, I, I think, a very tiny signing bonus, like, like inconsequential money, basically given to him at that point, and and then. Uh, the change is made, and Chris Jones comes in, and I think Arbuckle and his agent kind of were saying, well, hey, where do I stand? And if you recall the first uh, press conference with uh, uh, Stephen McAdoo, they just didn't want to talk about Nick Arbuckle, right? Uh, they kind of made it sound like, and we're kind of thinking, well, they don't want Arbuckle here, maybe. I don't know what the situation is, right? And we thought, okay, these are also the guys who chose McLeod Bethel-Thompson over Arbuckle at the trade deadline, or, or at, with that trade made with the Elks. Uh, so we're, we're wondering about it. And then a week later, they announced a new contract. And what they did is... They gave him basically the same money that he was getting in his other deal, but they gave him, I believe it was $100,000 up front, right? So that's a big chunk of change, and that's a commitment from the football team to the quarterback saying, yeah, we want you here. Uh, You know, you're not going to cut a guy who you just paid $100,000 to, right? He's going to come to camp. He's going to get an opportunity uh, to to challenge for that number one job with Taylor Cornelius and whoever else is is in camp at the time. So I think that's the move they made, and I think it just, as as I talked to Arbuckle last week about it, he basically just said it's it just made him so much more comfortable in his training moving forward because he knows where he's going to be in may he knows what kind of system he's going to be in and he knows that his training is going to lead to something an opportunity at that point at training camp so he's he's much more relaxed about it especially when you think about it in the last 24 months he's been on four teams and he's only played games for two of them, right? I mean, he went from, from Calgary to Ottawa to Toronto to Edmonton, never played a game for Ottawa, never played a game for Edmonton. And uh, he, he wants to settle down. He wants to get an opportunity to get back to that, uh, that level he was at in 2019 when he went 4-3 and three and, and, and really impressed a lot of people when he filled in for seven starts for Bo Levi Mitchell when he was injured in Calgary. So that's the situation with him. I think it, it, the move to restructure the contract, really, I, I like the fact the Elks are showing some confidence in him and saying, yeah, we believe you can come into camp and win that job, and we, we're going to prove that to you by giving you this money up front. 
But, but you made an interesting point, though. Arbuckle, Cornelius, and whoever else they bring in. I mean, I don't think that yeah. story is, is is written yet. And who knows? Maybe it's, yeah, maybe you know, it's a name that we know. Brewpop's coming, and they've signed a couple of college guys. Khalil Tate they signed yesterday, uh, who's, who's another one of those athlete guys, right? He, he was a good quarterback in Arizona in NCAA, went to the Philadelphia Eagles, and they tried to make him into a receiver. Uh, so that shows you he's, he's got the talent, and he's, and he's got the athleticism, right? So he'll be coming to camp as a quarterback. And I wouldn't be surprised if... Someone else might might show up as well. Maybe a, maybe a veteran guy. I I don't know for sure. And I know there's been all sorts of rumors about Michael Riley out there too, and, and what his situation is going to be, and and if the BC Lions want to retain him at that salary or at all with the situation they have going on. So you know that's out there too. So yeah, there's there's I think the the book has not been written on the the quarterbacks will be at training camp for the Elks this May. Uh, all right, uh, Morley. Thanks for uh, thanks for checking in. If you want some uh, tape tomorrow morning, I got Tristan Martin coming up. He scored the goal Wasn't for the cool. Spruce Grove Saints. Yeah. Wasn't that and cool? Yeah, I, I saw that uh, I saw that on Twitter uh, last night, actually. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. It's funny. I heard you talking to Kelly Rudy about him going for the goal and Al Arbor getting so mad at him. Yeah. Uh, it, it took me back to when I was doing hockey and the Oilers were in Denver to play the Avalanche. And I think it was a, a two-goal lead and the Oilers were, were fighting for a playoff spot and probably just falling short. I can't remember the year, uh, but... Patrick Waugh was in net, and the Oilers had pulled their goaltender, and the Avalanche went so far as they're holding uh, basically a huddle before every faceoff in their own zone, and and you know they're drawing up plans for Waugh to get free to take the shot. And uh, I remember after the game going into the Oilers dressing room, and Doug Waite in particular was absolutely livid at the way the uh, the Avalanche handled that, and said, "Who wants to talk about Patrick Waugh and Bob Hartley and trying to manufacture an empty net goal?" And uh, we said, "I do." <laughs> And uh, he filled, uh, as Doug Wade always tended to do, he he filled our tape machines and our notebooks up. So yeah, it I, I, I the whole team was was upset because I I believe it was one of the games that would have cost them probably a playoff spot. It was near the end of the year, as I recall, and they were very upset with the loss, and that just kind of rubbed salt in the wound a little bit. Yeah, I bet. Okay, Morley, awesome stuff as always. Get to bed. On my way. Thanks, Reed. Good to talk to you, buddy. <laughs> That is Morley Scott, play-by-play voice for your Edmonton Elks, uh, morning sports anchor here on 6.30, Chad. And, yeah, tomorrow, 6.30, hosting a, an online chat with Chris Jones for about 300 Elks season ticket holders. Back in a couple of minutes. All right, so Oilers, Panthers tomorrow, Oilers and Flames on Saturday as the Oilers will get back to more of a regular pace to the NHL season with all the uh, COVID delays now behind them. NHL tonight, Maple Leafs and Rangers now 3-3 after two. Adam Fox with a goal with 2-11 left in the second period to tie that one up. So they're going to the third, even at three. And about a minute left in the third period, looks like the Coyotes are going to un- upend the New Jersey Devils. The Coyotes badly outshot tonight. It's 36-17 at the moment, but just over a minute left in the game. And uh, Arizona leads that one 4-1. And the other game coming up tonight is between the Avalanche and the Ducks. Stephanie Labe retiring. Uh, We had her on the show, uh, when was it, about a week ago? The uh, goaltender for the Canadian Women's Olympic Soccer Team, 35 years of age, 85 appearances for Canada. Man, she was an awesome interview last week. She checked in from Paris. Great story about winning the the gold, her approach in that penalty kick shootout against Sweden. Uh, I'm sure we'll have her on the show again. Uh, Awesome career, awesome story from the Edmonton area. So really cool stuff, and we wish Stephanie all the best. Okay, uh, we got some cool stories coming up as well. Speaking of goaltenders... And speaking of 
Olympians, Emrens Mashmeyer from Bruderheim, the goalie for the Canadian women's Olympic hockey team coming up in Beijing. Her first ever trip to the Olympics, she's going to check in. And as I've been telling you, Tristan Martin from the Spruce Grove Saints, who scored a goal last night in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.